Welcome to Coffee with the Sarlows. I'm Kelly. And I'm Karen. We are a mother-daughter duo of mediums, medical intuitives, psychics, and energy healers offering personal sessions to clients all over the world. And this is our podcast. Coffee with the Sarlows is a platform to share the remarkable experiences of our clients and the messages that are channeled for them from the spirit world. These stories will make you laugh, some will make you cry, and some are certain to be an absolute butt-kicking with love. Our intent for this podcast is to gently and kindly challenge your beliefs, grow your empathy, and help you find pieces of your own self in each one of these individual stories. Before we jump into today's show, we have a few notes for our listeners. Karen and I have personal practices channeling for local and international clients. If the stories in these shows is something you'd like to experience, you can request your own personal session through our website, bysarlo.com. We also have gift certificates available if you wish to gift this experience to someone anywhere in the world. We have a second podcast series called Sips of Sanity. This series is your emotional and intuitive intelligence toolkit. We pick one topic every month and provide you with healthy tools for critical thinking and communication. This series airs the first week of every month. The first show is free and can be found on our website, your favorite podcast platform, or YouTube. The full series can be found on patreon.com forward slash by Sarlo. Patreon is our membership portal with a ton of monthly benefits for those of you seeking to grow your emotional and intuitive intelligence. Karen has a personal blog that explores the beauty and importance of intuitive gifts. There's a question and answer segment that addresses listeners' questions. As we mentioned, you can find the complete Sips of Sanity series here, along with handy habit trackers and great reflective questions to help you get the most from the shows. We provide you with guided journeys and music to enrich that experience, and we're running an emotionally intelligent, interactive book club. And for patrons in our top tier, each month we're putting your names into a draw for a free half-hour channeling session with Karen or myself. If you're interested in joining us, head over to patreon.com forward slash by Sarlo. Now, on to the show. Well, happy Saturday. Good morning. How are you? I am sore. Oh, yes. This is workouts, eh? I worked out. I rode a bike for the first time in who knows how long, and my body is screaming bloody murder. And thank you at the same time. Go figure. Right. Yeah, that is... um yeah, that is a good combination. I was going to say it's a clusterfuck of feelings, but I, I think it's called recovery. Yeah, it's good. It's a good sign, right? Yeah. So I know that you've been having a lot of fun picking names for us Yep. to keep confidentiality of clients and also to create more inclusiveness for global people around the world. So what continent did you find a name on this time? I'm still circulating through five and I chose an Iraq name. Oh, Perfect. What's her name? Oh, her. Okay. So Halima. Oh, sorry. I forgot to tell you that. Okay. So Halima. Thank you for doing that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we can see each other. We're, we're talking together over Skype. And at the very beginning of the session, after going through consent process, she says to me, Karen, do you think you could just tell me whatever the spirit guides want me to know? And I know in the past, Kelly, you and I have talked about this, how some people... Um, call and ask for that, but don't truly mean it. They have their own particular agenda and they're waiting to see if we're going to do what they want us to do. Halima does not do that in her session. She says, I'm curious as to just whatever you get for me. 
And I said, fine, I'm going to need a few minutes, download the information, and then tell you what I got. And the spirit guides came in right away and said, um, her intuition is really opening up. She wants this confirmed if it comes up in today's session. And we actually really would like to broaden that entire topic into some other areas now. So I said, well, what do you mean about her intuition first? What do you mean that, that it's opening up? And they said that quite often when she gets up in the morning, she will have fuzzy memories of her dreams at night. And then during the day, some of those, what we call, you know, when they're kind of really disoriented, Kelly, like they're, they don't really make sense. You just get snippets of something. Mm -hmm. Like you think, oh, I think I saw an owl. And you have no idea why, but then later during the day, you might be on the internet and all of a sudden everything is about owls on your Facebook feed or something. And she's starting to pay more and more attention to what's happening in her dreams is sort of presenting very randomly. And this is important. It's not making any sense to her. So she doesn't know what to do with it. She's not charting it. She's not journaling it. She's just noticing that sometimes these things are happening. And at other times, when we're actually giving her a lot of these signs, she's just not paying any attention. So sorry, her dreams, when you say they're presenting randomly, you're mm. not meaning just in her dreams. You're meaning in the conscious realm? Yes. Okay. And she's picking up and noticing some and not all. So they said, that's one aspect of it. They, she said, you know, they said, that's one thing that's going on for her. Now, another big thing that's happening for her is that when, and I'm going to pick one particular example here. When she gets up in the morning and she's just doing her shower, it's just her own quiet time, taking care of herself, getting herself ready for the day. She starts, like, as she's doing her makeup or brushing her teeth, she'll start thinking thoughts and she'll start having conversations in her head like she's talking to somebody. And she'll go down this road and she thinks, who the, who the heck thinks like this? And she'll think, why am I having conversations like this in my head? Like, what is wrong with me? And so that kind of happens. And then again, just like the other stuff, she just sort of pushes it aside. But it's happening fairly consistently. And then it started to shift and she started to notice that later that day, she might just be out buying a magazine and she hears that conversation between two people near her. Mm -hmm. And she's like, oh, that's really cool. Oh, that's really weird. Oh, that's really freaky. And she dismisses it with those words. I'll say she uses words that are dismissive, but she's starting to notice those little things are occurring and she thinks, oh, is this what they're calling synchronicity? Is this... And so she's wondering what it's called, and she's trying to find words that she's heard, but doesn't truly know what they are, and she's labeling it or trying to figure out by labeling it, not always correctly. So she's got some of that happening. And they said another thing that she's going through right now is she's, she may get like a sore foot. And she's totally fine. She has a sore foot for a little while, maybe 10 minutes, and it's extreme. And she thinks, i got to go to Emerge. 
I, I, I need to go to the doctor's office. Maybe I better find a clinic. Maybe I better, I wonder if I should do this before work. And then she thinks, okay, so she starts to get ready. She gets out her health card and her cash or whatever she needs. And it passes. And then later in the day when she's at work, somebody will say how they had hurt their foot on the weekend. And she just lets it go. She doesn't think that that has anything to do with her pain or her foot. And she's not piecing that together yet. But it's happening so much that she's developed anxiety. And they said, you could start with that and just word it that way because she's not going to understand why you're telling her all of those things. And then you're telling her that she's developed anxiety. She's just, she's just going to look at you and go, okay. And so I told her all of, I, I gave her all of that. And I said, the guides want to start with your immediate past, meaning, you know, like in the last year and your, what's going on currently with you. And the fact that all of this stuff is kind of happening and some of it's really on your peripheral. Some of it is like occurring every day and some of it's bothering you, but you're not talking to anybody about it. You're not researching it. You're just noticing um, that you've got all these different aches and pains that come and go. And so you're, you're kind of wondering, is, sometimes it's like, is this COVID? Sometimes it's like, well, is this because I got vaccinated? Are these some of the side effects of vac being vaccinated now? There's a lot of confusion. So I just asked the guides to give me um, a couple more examples. And she, they said yes, that um, when she's going to go to a social event in particular, that um, she can have a lot of anxiety before the, the event, even if she's totally knows all of these people and she thoroughly enjoys their company, she still feels a level of anxiety that she can't put her finger on because it's like, well, I'm just going to hang out with my best friend and her partner. Why do I feel um, so much anxiety and why is it so over the top all the time? And then she may go and be with her friends for a little while and the anxiety passes and she isn't able to place why she had it at all. And she goes, well, that's that's very true. So what are you what are you telling me about this? And I said, oh, I'm just still giving you some examples. They've asked me to do that first, and I said I don't know why yet. So then the guide said that she can have periods of time where she has physical pain, and it's accompanied by distressing thoughts, and I mean um, a thought of suicide, a thought of self harm. Um, just things that make no sense to her personality on a day-to-day -day basis prior to when all of these things started changing. So she gets physical pain with an accompanying suicidal thought? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I said to the guides, well, what's going on with that? And they said, well, she's picking up where this is someone else's situation. So when she's meeting somebody else after this type of feeling and experience physically and emotionally, um, what's happening is, is that she's picking up on someone else's. So it can be um, someone else's physical pain and a different person's, person's emotional pain and suffering. And the two of them are hitting her at the same time. 
So if she's trying to pay attention, which she's not yet, by the way, but if she were to pay attention, she would have difficulty placing them within one person. And the guide said, now you can explain that to her. So I did. And she's very good. Halima is really, really good, Kelly, in that she doesn't interrupt. She listens. She's very, very engaged. You can see that it's hitting all of these areas of her life where she's been struggling, but isn't sharing that struggle with people. And she might ask someone a question, but nothing is getting pieced together for her in a bigger way. And the guide said there are times that she thinks, is this lupus? She thinks, is this schizophrenia? Is this, and then she tries to, I won't say she doesn't, pardon me, she doesn't try to self-diagnose, but she does go down different rabbit holes thinking something's wrong with me and trying to figure out what it could be based on whatever current knowledge she might have about something, which isn't enough knowledge. And then the guide said, okay, we now want you to um, ask her if any of that is incorrect. We think we've got all of the symptoms that we want to put into um, a, a group to talk to her about today in a good way. And we just want her to kind of realize that we know what's going on with her in all these different ways. Um, because she's scared and doesn't know what to do, doesn't know who to ask. And even if she does know who to ask, it's their feeling and their opinion of her that she's too scared to, that she's frightened to go to a doctor medical because they might say it's all in your head. And she's also afraid to go to a psychologist or a psychiatrist to find out it is all in her head and that they're going to diagnose it as a mental illness. So she doesn't really know where to go. And so underneath the purpose of her call to uh, for an appointment with us is that she's hoping that we're going to know all of this, but doesn't know if that's reasonable to expect that we will, or that even if we do, that we will know what it is. So it's very much in the background of her thoughts, will they be able to help me with that? But if not... I still need to know whatever the spirit world wants me to know about anything because I need help in so many areas and doesn't really know how to put any of that together or really talk about it without raising her own anxiety in the moment as she discusses it. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. So you could see as I was bringing all of this up, that some of the anxiety was starting to come up in her and she would fidget a little bit and then I would say something to her like, we'll get to understanding this in a moment, I just have to present it to you first. And she'd kind of like, you could see her um, take a breath and I'm going to say slouch forward, meaning that the shoulders kind of come in and what I could read from that was a, a somewhat relief, mm-hmm. not full relief by any means, but a little bit of relief. And then the guide said, okay, Karen, this is mere touch synesthesia. What she's going through is MTS. Uh, that's what I'm just going to shorten it as. And she doesn't have any clue what that is 
or that you have it or that Kelly has it, that you you yourself know what it's like to experience it, but you know what it's like to have a daughter. So outside of your own experience, I get to hear your experience, Kelly. And and I get to see how you're processing it or where you're where you struggle, though I was going to say you seem to be managing it so well. I was actually gonna say way back when you were describing this woman's situation that I'm not particularly enjoying hearing my life repeated back to me right now. Yeah. None of this is fun. And I and I don't want to make that statement and have people think I'm not grateful because this has this is our livelihood. This is an incredible way to connect to the spirit world and and link this world and that one. Um but that doesn't mean it's fun. Yeah. That doesn't mean that you enjoy your, your life day to day. It doesn't mean that you enjoy social on a level that anyone else can experience. I mean, specifically, uh, I want to pull out the example that you were talking about where she has sky high anxiety, just going to visit her best friend and the best friend's boyfriend, which one would think is a comforting place to be. And again, that can be true, but with mere touch synesthesia, being out in public, being around anyone who has other feelings than you, which is life, is extremely difficult. It is. And it makes you want to stay home. Yes. And, and I will also say too, and maybe this is jumping ahead and, and going in a direction that you don't want to take it, and that's fine. Um, the suicidal thoughts, I, I think, and, and I know we have talked a lot about this, are common in everyone at some point in their life because this world is a dark place. There's tons of light and there's beautiful things everywhere if you're paying attention. But it's also heavy and terrifying and really corrupt and messed up. And I think suicidal thoughts are normal. I think that we all experience them. I think that we've all been in a place uh, where we have wondered, okay, if, it, if things got bad enough, how could I help myself exit this world? Mm-hmm. Even if we knew that deep down on a day-to-day basis, there isn't a true desire to die um, or even a confidence that I could harm myself if I needed to. Mm-hmm. And when she says, you know, piecing it all together, I can't talk to a doctor about those feelings or thoughts. I can't explain how they come and go so quickly and that they're there, I can observe them, but they don't cause me distress, but they're repeating. Um, That's a terrifying thing if you've got someone, and I'm not just picking on doctors, but someone who maybe wants to rely on a scientific brain, an analytical brain, um, and not take in the contributing factors as to why we might just not want to be here someday. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I I know when I say this that I think I speak for you as well. Um, it, it's not fun to try and explain to any doctor um, at Emerge, <laughs> at a walk-in clinic, or even your own family physician um, that you have mirror touch synesthesia, mm-hmm. or that you have all the symptoms of it, but that you know how do I say I have it? You're supposed to get the diagnosis from them. And they, generally speaking, medical practitioners, most of them don't know mirror touch synesthesia, don't know any synesthesias, and we are not equipped to to actually have them make the diagnosis because of the technology that they need. 
to do it properly, right? Mm. So they also have protocols where they they are by law required to take any chat of suicide very seriously and flag you. Right. So how do we then talk openly about struggles? Yes. Just just regular struggles. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's it's very difficult. Mm. And, and and sorry, I cut you off. No, go right ahead. I I feel for her probably in a way that you would feel more for her that she's likely uh, experiencing this by herself with no understanding of what's going on. And that, that was you. Uh, that was not me. I grew up being nurtured in it. Right. And my experience sucked. <laughs> <laughs> so I can, I can only imagine what the two of you went through. Yeah. I'm glad... If you know, without this sounding egotistical, I'm glad that it was us that she called. I'm glad mm-hmm. that it was our website that she found, and that as she's, you know, I don't know how if she actually found it by reading things or how. She, yeah, actually, that was a presumption on my part. She could have just reached us by by um, word of mouth. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that which she is, was on the website, which is great too. And I know we just got a request um, through our website where the person wrote in the comments, I've been listening to your podcast for years and finally had the courage to call. Right. And, and I, I hope in a situation like this that you're talking about, maybe she's been hearing about MTS for so many years on the show and thought, okay, mm. I'm ready to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe this was a source of education for her. Yeah. So the guides then said to me, we want you to tell her what this is. We realize that you're going to have to say and make sure you do say it, that you're not diagnosing her. Tell her that, that you're not diagnosing her, but that the spirit world is telling her that this is what she has and that we invite her to research it. But you're also going to have to tell her that other people with mere touch synesthesia don't all experience it identically the same. Mm -hmm. So she may do some scientific research And someone else might say, this is the classification or this is what it looks like and hers is going to present uniquely to her. But we do want her to understand that this is what she has and that she can read about the information and try her best to keep pulling from someone else's experience with it, how they have it, maybe even to see that perhaps in the future if hers changes somewhat, that she may experience it that way, but she may never experience it the same way as another person with it. So I explained that to her and she goes, well, why wouldn't I experience it the same way? And I said, well, kind of like... Life? Yeah, I said, two people can have multiple sclerosis and they both experience it differently. Also, you and I are creating a podcast right now together and having two very different experiences of this story. Yes, Exactly. So I, 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 we chatted a little bit about that. Then I told Halima that I have mere touch synesthesia and that my daughter does, you do, and that um, this, th- these are two people that if she decides to go and listen to our podcast show that she could learn some information about how we handle it and how we've been living with it, the struggles that we have had. And as I was saying these things to her, um, she started crying. Yeah. Oh, I would too. Yeah. 
And I think there was a big, big part of me that wanted to cry in that moment too. But another part of me that wanted to like be mom mm-hmm. <laughs> and mother her and just sit there as an older woman and say to her, um, this is okay. And part of me forgot that it's a diagnosis that means you're living with something. Except disclaimer, not diagnosis. Right. But if you push that aside for just a moment and just, just be two humans talking about it, you're hearing that you're being diagnosed with, or that you have something. I want to, yeah, thank you for helping Give me. Give a label to what you're experiencing. That's better worded. Thank you. So now while you're relieved that you have it, you also, re- you also have to realize that you are labeled with something. And there's, there's a mixture there, eh, Kelly? Like that you're relieved and happy that you know what it is, but also, ah, oh, shit. I'm not fully healthy or I'm not fully, I don't know what the word Did is. Did you just call us not healthy? Yeah. Because we have mere touch? Yeah. This, I, you're butchering this. Can I start over? Yes. Okay. Like if you're diagnosed with um, diabetes and you've been struggling your, your, you know, for years with your bladder and weight loss and thirst and all of the standard, you know, um, markers of, of diabetes, and you finally hear someone say, hey, we know what you're living with. Yeah. There's relief to understand, whew, okay, what I'm going through makes sense on some level. The anxiety part is that now I have a lot of work to do to figure out how to maintain this, what my options are to, you know, to help myself, what, what things I need to make sure I'm staying away from. So I'm not exacerbating symptoms. Is that okay? Yes. Okay. (laughs) It's much better worded than what I was trying to say, but I was also trying to say that some people feel a different kind of anxiety then because they think, oh, I'm not healthy. That they get, they get stuck in that kind of a mindset of that there is something not perfect about me. With mere touch. Yes. All right. Or with anything, if you want to call it. Um, I think it depends if you're, if you're using it as a, um, an identity marker and if oh, you've labeled fair. it positive or negative. Oh, that's awesome. I would not consider myself any less healthy because I have mere touch. Yeah. It, I have definitely absorbed it as part of my identity and I'm fine with that story because of what it allows me to do. Yes. I'm very aware of what it does in terms of my limitations for how to live, but I haven't, that's not how I choose to define myself by limitations. I'm defining it by how it's enhanced my life. Yes, I'm, I can hear that. But she has this little aspect or this mindset in her, Kelly, where she sees it as less than perfect. We're making the same point. Okay, cool. I'm saying defined by limitations, and that's the story I have about myself. In the same way you're saying she's decided that's a story about her imperfections, and, and she sees that as a problem. It, it's same, same. Good. And I'm, and I'm illustrating for listeners, no matter what you have been diagnosed with or what you view your limitations as, you can define yourself in a very different way or it can not define you in any way right? if you don't make it a part of your story. Well, thank you for that beautiful conversation. You as well. <laughs> I, I, I love that. I just, I love how you approached it from your perspective and then how in this conversation... I'm still responsible to try and explain to the listeners yeah. 
where she's coming from and her emotional state and her mindset. I get that. So I hope you're not explaining that to me. No, like, I'm explaining that to the listeners. And, and I'm, and I'm doing, you. yeah, I'm doing my part because some of our listeners will completely identify with Halima and think like, right, yeah, she's right. Okay. And it's like, whoa, 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 back up. And other people who are listening who have done their work, moved through different process and are on the other side may still sit here and go, oh, fuck, did I miss something? Did I not get how Halima is seeing this? I want to illustrate, no, no, you've done your work to be able to not define yourself by limitations, right? Mm-hmm. So let's let's give everyone the perspective that Halima hasn't had yet mm-hmm. so that you guys can figure out where the healthy, the healthy line is. Mm-hmm. And then I did what we always do in sessions. We paused. We hit the pause button and I did a check-in to ask her, is this meeting your needs? Is this answering your questions? Would you like to ask questions? Have I crossed any boundaries? May I continue? And she looked at me and she just, honest to God, Kelly, as soon as I did the check-in, everything shifted. You know, I always think back to one of my unfortunate Facebook reviews where someone said to me, like, I was crying. Obviously, I wasn't having a good time. How did you not know that as a psychic? And I'm think, I think about every time in a show and in a session you and I say, and then they had their moment where they cried. Mm-hmm. And that's when we do our check-in, you know, are, are we meeting your needs? Are, have we crossed any boundaries? Mm-hmm. And that 99.9% of the time, that is also the moment where people say, as they're crying, no, it's good. Mm-hmm. I need, I need this cry. Yeah. It's the healing cry. Mm-hmm. And, and it makes me very sad to think that people can only... Some people think that the only time you cry is when you're sad or upset. Or angry. And, and don't get that so many of our tears come from joy, mm-hmm. come from overwhelming laughter and humor, <laughs> um, a shared moment of connection where, yeah. where we feel seen, heard, or any other form of validated. Yes. Yeah. I think about our home and how many tears are on both sides of that. Mm-hmm. That I would say that if you measured the buckets of tears <laughs> that have been shed in this house, I'll say just for us as a family. Oh, we could grow a beautiful garden. Yeah. We wouldn't need rain barrels. No. <laughs> We'd have tear barrels. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and for both reasons. Oh, I love that. Um, so then we sat there and uh, the guide said, um, ask her if she would like to talk to you and switch up the session a little bit so that she can explain some of these things that have happened to her and then you can confirm that they are actually mere touch. And I said, I certainly can do that. And they said, offer it. And I said, well, isn't she going to want me to provide them to her? And they said, well, we did do that. We've given you, oh, I think they gave me six to eight examples that she already confirmed. And the guide said, um, Ask her if she'd like to share some so she has a chance to talk. And I thought, oh, I understand why they're doing that. So the guides were just instructing me to be her listener and that she needed to use her own voice to be able to talk about it and to have somebody who understood her sit and listen. 
just, you know what that's like, just not having somebody who's going to judge you or dismiss you or think you're crazy or say, you know, maybe you need therapy or talk about you behind your back. Just healthy listening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we did that. She, she engaged. She was happy to be able to speak. I listened. I asked her questions. I told her that that was in fact exactly what mere touch synesthesia is. And then the guide said to explain to her that mere touch is one kind of synesthesia and that other people have other kinds. And so I did. I went in and I said to her, you know, I don't need to go into it in any kind of depth, but your guides want you to know that there are other forms. They're saying that you have this one, but that you might, as you talk to other people, um, encourage others to share their own experiences, and not that she has to say to them, oh, you have the same thing, but to be empathic and listen, Mm -hmm. and not be a person who dismisses another person. And we kind of paused at that point, and we actually talked about what a great conversation we were having. And that... A little meta conversation. What's that? A little meta conversation. Yeah, we just talked... Very briefly, Kelly, but maybe just for two or three minutes about how wonderful it is when you're speaking to somebody who's listening and what what it does for you. And she thanked me. She thanked the guides for explaining so much. And she said, you know, I feel like I have a lot of homework. I have a lot of research to do to, to help me understand this. I need Forever the- and ever. <laughs> yeah. Um, to give her some vocabulary. She goes, you've given me new words today where I can turn around and start describing what I'm experiencing to other people. But I can start describing it to others. And even if they do dismiss me or they don't understand, I think I'm going to have more patience because I understand me better. Ooh, That was the gold line in the podcast today. I will have more patience when I'm with others because I will understand myself better. She's talking about trust. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, um, It's one of those magical moments in sessions, eh? Like... And and I'm going to broaden that and say it's also one of those magical moments in life. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, when there's real value to something. Then the guide said to me, can you take it back and go full circle now and bring it to the, back to the fact that we started her session by talking about her intuition starting to develop and that she was having some other situations and that they're not about mere touch synesthesia where she was hearing conversations, remember that back at the beginning? Mm-hmm. And then she would pick up these conversations during the day And they said, we'd like to bring it back to that. And I said, okay, what do you want me to tell her about it? And they said, well, all of this is connected to the mere touch synesthesia. And tell her that as she now values who she is, as she now tunes inward to understanding herself and to seeking to understand what the mere touch synesthesia is, does and plays out in her life, she will discover that she's deeply connecting to her truest self, to her soul. 
And as a result of the work, we call, you call it the dirty work, mm-hmm. she's going to blossom, grow, develop, all these lovely words, her own intuition. And it's all going to collide. It's not going to be all piecemeal. It's going to be messy, but it's going to be a, a hell of a, an intense, um, beautiful experience. Now, I say beautiful, but you and I both know that beautiful means difficult. Mm-hmm. We both know that beautiful means challenging. Ugly. Frustrating. Slow. Irritating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, beautiful doesn't just mean all of the it's like birth. cream. Oh, that's it's, a great it's ugly, analogy. It's disgusting. It's messy. It's confusing. It's scary. You're pretty it's sure you painful. don't want to do this ever again. Um, and then you've got something incredible at the end. Yeah. And yeah, something with such intense value. And then the process makes sense once the baby's out. You're like, oh, that's what was going on. Yeah. That's what was moving through me. Yes. I like how you're wording that. That's brilliant how, you, how you've said that, Kelly. Thanks. How this is moving through me. Because if somebody just thinks, oh, yes, I understand that in terms of a birth of a baby, yeah, okay, something's moving through you, a baby through the, the vaginal canal. But if we we're talking... We normally call it the birth canal, but yeah. Oh, pardon me, the birth no, canal. That's okay. Um, but if we think about her going through this entire process, then we can also use the very same term that it's moving through her. Yeah, and I kind of want to bring it back to my like mm. grumpy rant at the beginning in that many women who do go through the birthing process, you know, when they're asked to talk about their experience and reflect on their experience, they feel this big pressure to only use wonderful descriptions, mm-hmm. happy, positive descriptions, and that their experience of birth can only be this wonderful, grateful thing that they have. Mm. And there's a lot of rage and frustration about that because in fact, so many parts of the process were the exact opposite. Mm -hmm. We love what we got out of it. We're, we're thrilled with what happened at the end, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean that the whole process was something that I felt thrilled about each step of the way. Yeah, that's right. And, and I, I love this, this different movement of being able to talk about things in a more realistic way. Yeah. And not make things mutually exclusive, i.e. gratitude with all of the distressing feelings. Mm-hmm. You know what, Kelly, you remind me of somebody, and I'd like to protect her identity, but just um, someone you both, we both know personally. And I remember one time someone asking her after, you know, after her birth of her first child, and she, how was about the, like about the birthing process? Mm-hmm. And she said, I fucking hated it. It was painful as hell but I love my daughter. And, and that's a beautiful way to word that. Like she's being honest about what the process was, mm-hmm. but then also saying, but I'm not dismissing the fact that I love my child. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think the fact that she even had to qualify that mm-hmm. still speaks to the fact that people think, oh, well, then she's just not grateful and doesn't love, doesn't love being a mother. Mm. Those things are not the same. Yeah. Yeah. 
Thank you for wording it I, like that. I remember Abby Wambach, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that properly, um, a professional Olympic soccer player, saying that she hated every minute of her life on runs, every minute of her life when she was training, and yet loved the game, mm-hmm. loved the sport, would never change anything because soccer means so much to her. But the entire time she had to run laps, she was like, what am I doing? <laughs> I feel like that when I'm lifting weights. It, that's what I mean. But then I love the fact when I see that I actually have strength when I'm going to move a piece of furniture or, I don't know, just do open a jar in the kitchen or something, right? Mm-hmm. Or somebody says, can you give me a hand with it, lift this? And I'm like, I think I can. <laughs> yeah. I, and I, I like, you know, we're kind of going in a different direction at this point, but I, I love that people can hopefully take this message mm-hmm. in the podcast and think, oh oh, I don't have to love every step of the process to love the relationship. I don't have to love every step of the process to love the job mm-hmm. um, or or the event or the sport or the hobby. It can be that I love particular parts or the outcome, and that can be enough. Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you. Mm-hmm. So her session came to an end, and... Um, it came to an end in the sense of gratitude. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, that she thanked me. She goes, oh, I don't know what I would do without you. And I said, well, I'm going to turn that around and say, I don't know what I would do without your soul. And she went, what? And I said, well, I don't know what I would do if you didn't show up with your soul. Because, and, and your spirit guides, because otherwise I don't have anything to connect to. I said, my job and the the way that we use these gifts, Kelly and I, have everything to do with that. We connect to you. We just connect to you on a different level than most people are trying to accomplish. Or perhaps for some people are capable of. Mm -hmm. That's all. And I mean, even without mere touch synesthesia, like when someone shows up and is themselves is willing to share a piece of themselves that is truthful, whether it's their passion, their how they identify sexually, um, anything at all, like you said, it allows us to connect with them as another human. Right. That's the point. It's not, it's not actually important about what the specific what is. It's that they're showing up authentically. Mm-hmm. I just loved the fact that this is a type of show that shows people what can happen in a session when you truly show up in an open session and say, what do the spirit guides want to tell me? They came in and picked one aspect of her identity, mm-hmm. um, her life path, her purpose, and said, and here it is with love. Just love that. Cool. Well, thank you for sharing. You're very welcome. I hope people enjoy that as a Saturday morning comfort show. Thanks for listening to Coffee with the Sarlows. If you enjoyed the show today, help spread the love with a like, share, or review of the podcast. See you next Saturday with a brand new episode.